0: Welcome to the ethnos new brunswick podcast we're so glad you're joining us today ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic community transforming work happening in new brunswick and highland park part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community each week our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for that Today's episode is the third in our series called Life Hacks with the conversation being led by lead pastor Yukon Chu.
1: We are going to continue uh, with our time here together now engage with the series we started uh, just earlier this month making life work Life Hacks with Jesus. It's a series where we have said, hey you know what we realize that as the new year got going in January and as we were talking about, you know, how it is we could get our life in line with Jesus and His vision for us, we thought it'd be important to take a moment to think through specifically life issues, like real life issues, from the lens of Jesus, from the lens of His Scriptures, and talk through them in a relevant and helpful manner. And so last week, uh, while I was gone, my wonderful wife, Yan Yan, she talked about friendship, I got some good feedback on that, that many of you found that discussion helpful. Today, we are going to talk about something I think all of us could use a discussion on, and it's the topic of anger and forgiveness. Anger and forgiveness. Okay, real quick, how many of us right now don't struggle at all with anger or forgiveness? Anybody? Okay, how many of us have a problem with anger or forgiveness? Okay, 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 yeah, yeah, it, It's... <laughs> It's something, I think, that is very real to our journey. It's really real to our life. Many of us, if not all of us, have questions and are trying to figure out how to better deal with anger and forgiveness. I, I just, As a person who helps others in their spiritual journey, I feel like this is something I talk about constantly, or right? I listen to constantly. And so we're going to get started, as we usually do, with a quick discussion question up here on the screen. Why don't you turn to your neighbor real quick and process with them, hey, how are you dealing with anger and forgiveness right now, right? Take a brief moment to do that. All right, so let's take a quick moment. Who wants to share, share with us about how you deal with anger and forgiveness? Are you happy or satisfied or kind of frustrated with how you deal with it? Who wants to open up a little bit and share about that this morning? Yeah, all right, all right. Hazel, our courageous initiator here this morning.
0: So, this is something I feel like I managed to work out. I was lucky I managed to work it out of my teens. Um, I used to have a really bad temper. Um, and at some point, I realized that holding on to anger took a lot of energy, and it was taking energy out of other things. And so, I learned how to let go of anger. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I still get angry sometimes, so it, it, I, I'm a lot slower at it, and I manage to work through it faster because that energy needs to be going somewhere else, and the fact that it's holding on to anger makes me up more upset than it makes the person that I'm angry at upset. Um, and it it makes me not happy in myself, yeah. so I had to let that go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, that's good, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. It Anger is... Eats away at us, I think, a lot more than at the other person. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Who else? Who wants? Who else wants to share? Oh yeah, back there. All right. The youth table.
2: I feel like if it like runs in my family for me that like we don't necessarily apologize for things. Um, we just kind of like we talk to each other. We're like, you were wrong, and then the other person says, I know you were wrong, and then it's like. It's, I guess, a silent sorry, but, like, you never hear those words, like, I apologize or I'm sorry for that I did that. And, like, then, like, three months later when you get into an argument, then you bring up all those things that you supposedly forgot about, yeah, and then yeah. you use those to, like, counterattack. So it's, like, we have, like, this tendency to kind of hold our anger in yeah. and, like, hold... And we never... We, we don't really forgive in our family or, like, forget about things necessarily. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for sharing that, Jenny. I think... Uh, Probably many of us may have grown up with similar situations in in families. I know my family was definitely like that growing up. Who else? Yeah, Kevin.
2: Yeah, I think I get frustrated with the, um, the way that I find anger Like, the way that I find myself giving anger too much control of my life and my reactions. I think frustrated is the right word, because, like, whenever I find myself angry, it's like, wow, I find myself, I went from, like, zero to 60 angry. And, you know, I find myself there, and it's like, how did I, I didn't even have the awareness of, like, it getting to that point, right? And it's like, wow, you know, I was, like, frustrated that, you know, it's not the way I want it to be, and yet I have a difficult time being aware of, uh, when it gets to that point, how, you know, the journey of it getting to that point. I just,
1: you know, you find yourself angry. It's like, wow, like, how did this happen? <laughs> Again, right? <laughs> Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's so, sometimes anger, you know, that there's that phrase we lose control. And, and yeah, we, part of that is, how did I get here? I don't, I don't, like, I feel like it just happened to me. I didn't have this control, and I, I arrived here. Yeah, anybody else? How are you dealing with anger? Happy first? Okay, yeah. Hi, I'm David. Um, so usually when, when, when it comes down to an argument or like you're being
2: really angry, so usually it's the other person that really gets hurt. And um, sometimes you get hurt as well. So no, nobody's happy
1: after an argument, right? So So what I do is usually I indulge all the anger that I have. so I store it inside me. so I don't let out any sign of like anger or whatever
2: things. So I think this is one way that I try to like not harm someone. And um just try because it's gonna come down to two people being unhappy if
1: you actually argue or let out your anger. But then if you indulge yourself, then it's only gonna be you. Yeah. So I guess yeah, <laughs> yeah. self-sacrifice can sometimes help us all. Well. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true, yeah. So either two people will get really messed up or the person holding it in. Yeah, so which leads to the good question, like how do how do we best deal with anger? I mean, how do we actually find healthy patterns, healthy methods of dealing with this really real personal and strong emotion of anger. That's what we're going to be talking about today. That's what we're going to look at uh, the scriptures of Jesus for today. And so uh, if you can take a moment to uh, just get ready, we're going to uh, look at these scriptures here that are on your table. Um, Just as a backdrop, two things. Uh, Number one, Uh, For those of you who are, again, newer here, you will know that we really believe that the Scriptures and the person of Jesus have some unique things to teach us. Uh, Of all the different options of spirituality and emotional well-being and all those sorts of things, Jesus, we believe, is unique for a number of different reasons that we can talk about a little later. And so we spend this time looking at His Scriptures. If you have some other Scriptures you bring, feel free to bring to the table other thoughts, please, please, please. This is a place where you can talk about those things, and we want to provide that safety to do so. Number two, uh, in this series, we have mentioned, you know, going weeks back now when we started the series, we are looking specifically at the Scriptures of Jesus known as the Proverbs, okay, known as the Proverbs. The Proverbs uh, were written well before Jesus was alive, and they were full of wise sayings from people who followed God, uh, in the, the nation of Israel at that time, and the way the proverbs work is actually kind of like this diamond here on the screen. What do I mean by this? The way that most of the proverbs are written is that they are short, literally one or two sentence phrases that about a single subject, but they're kind of scattered throughout this book called Proverbs. Okay, and so what you do, what you have to do in order to understand what. Proverbs says about a subject like anger and forgiveness is you kind of have to comb through the book, find all these different sentences, and then put them together like this. Why Why do I have this picture? Well, because each sentence that you find kind of gives a different angle on what that subject is or what we should think about that subject, okay? And so what you'll find starting from here on out as we take a look at specific issues, you'll find that more often than not, we're going to print out a lot of just short sentences, okay? This is a little bit odd. If you've been here, as we've discussed other parts of Jesus' scriptures, usually those are like long paragraphs or something like this. No, not the book of Proverbs. This is typically how the book of Proverbs works, okay? And so on that note, what I want to do is basically take us through four major themes through the four example sentences. They're probably like, nine total sentences on anger in this book of Proverbs. I've chosen four or five here, but I'll focus on the first four right now to emphasize what this book is trying to communicate to us. All right, that makes sense? Okay, and so let's let's take a look at what the first proverb says about anger, specifically kind of the pros and cons, And, and I'm going to try to phrase it like this, a life free of anger what it sort of looks like. Let me just read it, and let's decipher what it says. Proverbs 14, 29 says this. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he or she who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Pretty straightforward. I think it communicates very clearly that a life free of anger gives you understanding. It helps you think through things clearer. It gives you insight into life that perhaps anger would not give you. Understandable, pretty basic. Let's go to number two. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Now, this is kind of interesting. I think this is emphasizing how controlling your anger, if you're slow to it, you're even more powerful than a physically mighty person, a person who can take over a city, a person who can, you know, rule and domineer over a physical situation. If you can control your anger, you're actually more powerful than that. Okay, interesting. Let's look at proverb number three. A man or woman of wrath stirs up strife. And one given to anger causes much transgression. I think we've probably all experienced this. When you get angry, you tend to produce things that are not good. You tend to cause strife to happen between relationships. You do something, you you act out in angry, that causes a chain reaction of quote-unquote transgression. Transgression is a fancy word for wrongdoing. And so anger results... In fruits, or, or has a result that is not positive, and it kind of builds on itself in a negative way. And then, last but not least, Proverb number four Make no friendship with a man or woman given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. I like the way this, one, this proverb phrases the results of anger, this, this idea of being entangled in a snare. Have you ever, have you ever happened, had that happen in your life? You got angry at somebody or you said something you shouldn't have said out of anger, and it just made the situation way more complicated than it needed to be? Like, I mean, I just think about our Facebook world, right? And our Twitter, our Twitter world. Our Twitter, 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 Twitter world. Tweeter. I said Twitter. Our Twitter world. Tweets on Twitter. My goodness, get those verbs straight, or get those vowels straight, right? You got. Um, I mean, my goodness, right? How many of you have had a friend or seen a friend or know somebody? You know, one tweet, my goodness, sets off a chain reaction and gets all tangled up. Everything gets tangled up after that. And so we see very clearly here that a life free of anger is a good thing. A life full of anger just complicates life. Now, the question is, of course, well, okay, that's obvious. I'm aware of that. I've felt that in my own life. I see it in my own relationships. I've seen it at work. But what do I do? How do we live free of this anger? How do we, how do we overcome our anger? Well, this last proverb here begins us on a course That is very important. It says this, Proverbs 19.11, the last one on your sheet here. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. We see in this proverb the beginning of a solution to anger. The first phrase is good sense. The second phrase is to overlook. What is this actually talking about? I mean, how do you exactly have good sense? How do you overlook something? Well, if you remember our introductory talk on this book of Proverbs, the Scriptures of Jesus of Proverbs, we mentioned that... As Jesus used this scripture, as he taught from this scripture, Jesus himself began to say something pretty radical. We looked at this the very first week. He began to say, you know what, I am actually the ultimate expression of wisdom. I am actually, my life, my teaching, I actually embody wisdom and what it means to actually be wise in the best possible manner. And so we began this process of realizing that Proverbs is really good at identifying what's wrong with our world, the the complications of of life that we're trying to manage, the life hacks we we need to have. It's good at saying, hey, you need this. But Jesus is the one who comes and then begins to fill in the picture and answer the question of how. How can we actually begin to change? And so I want to take us then to a teaching of Jesus on forgiveness. I realize forgiveness doesn't always have to deal with anger. I understand that. But often the two are related. I want us to take us to a quick teaching of Jesus to begin to help us understand how, how we can begin to overcome anger. This is a really actually powerful teaching of Jesus that I find is often overlooked. And so if you've been around Jesus before and looked at his scriptures I hope this one comes as a, as a kind of gem to you because you don't hear a lot of teaching on this. And so let me just read from this. This is Jesus in Luke 17, starting in 3. It says this, Jesus is talking to his followers, so watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent or if they turn their ways, if they realize, yeah, you, you know, rebuking is to just call them out. If they realize, oh yeah, you're right, I was wrong. If they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Now check out what happens after Jesus says this. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Meaning they are blown away. They're like, What? Seven times in the same day, the same problem? Whoa, like increase our faith. Jesus replied, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, apparently they were standing next to a tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. What an interesting exchange. Jesus here teaches something that he has constantly taught in his life up till this point. You and I, we need to be people of forgiveness. We need to be people of love. We need to be transformed in such a way that when somebody close to us, our brother or sister, sins against us seven times in the same day, in the same way, we forgive them. That's pretty radical. And the disciples, the apostles, the, the 12 that were following him very closely, felt the radical nature of this teaching. They're like, whoa, this is crazy. Increase our faith. How could we actually believe this? This is impossible. Increase our faith. And then Jesus has this esoteric sort of teaching. He, hey, even if you have faith even this small, this can be possible. What is Jesus actually telling us about how we can move forward? Two things I think we need to understand. The first thing is that we need to have faith. It's very clear. This is what he's teaching. But this faith is a very specific sort of faith, okay? Let me explain to you how Jesus understands faith as this story develops in this biography of Luke. Faith is not simply just trust in God, although that's definitely a big part of faith. It's specifically trusting that the love of God and the goodness of God is enough. Specifically, that love and goodness of God that was, that was expressed in Jesus when He eventually died on a cross for the sins and wrongdoings of the world and rose from the grave to give us new life, Faith in the love of God in Jesus, as Jesus dies and rises, is actually powerful enough for forgiveness. Really, that this is what this faith is. That this, this is a trust that the love of God expressed in His death and resurrection is good enough. It's so good that when somebody wrongs you, you don't need to wrong them back because, well, Jesus took that wrong on him, and he died for the punishment of that wrong. You don't need to punish that person. Jesus already took that punishment. You don't need to punish yourself when you're the wrongdoer. You don't need to feel bad about yourself and beat yourself up. I can't believe I made that mistake, and someone's like, it's okay, it's okay. I forgive you. No, I'm terrible. No, you don't need to beat yourself up because Jesus has taken your wrongdoing as well. And so it's faith in the power and love of God in His death on a cross and resurrection. That faith in that love is enough to forgive. But Jesus is also saying something else here that we have talked about before. Let me get these pictures up on the screen just to help us remember this. You'll remember as we were getting ready for this series, we talked about, can I get the circles up uh, on the screen? You'll remember that um, we talked about how transformation works with Jesus. And we talked about this reality that before Jesus enters into our lives, before we say, yes, Jesus, enter into my life and kind of take control. I I enter in, I take, you know, I I, I grab a hold of your love for me, this, this cross, this death. We talked about how in the teachings of Jesus, the way the human composition is, is we have A heart, our soul, and we have a body that includes our brain, our mind. And we talked about how before Jesus, both of these things are are drawn towards sin, meaning drawn towards running life ourselves, drawn towards not thinking about God or Jesus and trying to follow His ways. They're just drawn away. But when we begin to surrender ourselves to Jesus, we looked at how, let's go to the next diagram, how our hearts, our souls now have a different orientation, We looked at some of the teachings from the scriptures of Jesus that say say Jesus kind of takes out our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. We have a new direction in life from that heart place, but our body doesn't change right away. Our minds don't necessarily change right away, and it's because they've been programmed in a sense. They're, They're kind of wired, and this is, you know, neuroscientists like document this stuff, We have neural pathways that have conditioned us to act a certain way. When Jesus comes, He changes our soul, our heart, yeah, but our bodies are still conditioned a certain way. And so we talked about in the past that following after Jesus involves then, through the power of God, reprogramming, reconditioning much of our previous habits towards the direction of love and justice and goodness. That reprogramming can happen because... Our hearts have changed, and God Himself has entered into us and broken the power and control of sin. And so I think what Jesus is telling us as He brings up this issue of forgiveness is He's saying, yeah, we need to have a type of faith that's transformative, but He's also inviting us into a new pattern of dealing with anger and forgiveness, he kind of alludes to a new pattern already in this teaching, like, well, when they repent, you forgive them seven times seven or, or seven times a day, you just, you just do it. there's a new pattern, but we need to get into this a little bit more, don't we? Like, how do we actually forgive? What, what kind of pattern might we need to establish? I want to invite you to turn your sheets to the backside because um, I've printed out a pattern that as I've been doing this sort of thing, helping people on their spiritual journeys with Jesus, I've been doing this now for about 15 years. um, And I've seen forgiveness, anger, anger and unforgiveness cripple people. I've seen people not be able to break through anger and forgiveness. And I've literally seen... Marriages and careers and lives just just spiral into a place where I think you and I don't want ever want our lives to spiral into, but how do we break through? How do we get out well I've seen people go through this process that's documented here and seeing God in his power work through this. It seems rather simple, but let's just go through it and see how actually it might Invite us into a new pattern. So if you read, actually, if you read like anger management books, and I have some, and I've read through them to kind of, you know, think about this, uh, doing what I do. uh, I was reading one yesterday, just kind of as a refresher. And it it gave an answer to like, how do you deal with anger that, you know, therapists and, and all agree with, but it was like so unsatisfactory. It basically says something like, you have to mentally focus. I was like, what in the world? Like, that's not enough. Like, I'm angry. How do I mentally focus? Like, it it literally, and I was like, man, this this author really needs to flesh this out. If this anger workbook is going to help anybody. Like, mentally focus. Like, we need a little bit more. So, this is like, this here is a, a way to mentally focus. I wanted to say that. And it's a way to mentally focus and help you and I interact with God. Three parts. Very simple. Number one, acknowledge your hurt. And do it before God. Very simple stuff. If you're a person of prayer, if you're trying to learn how to pray, we've kind of just given you a little template. God, I'm upset and and so-and-so because this. Acknowledge the hurt. Now, for some of us, this is really easy. We, We have no problem with this. Others of us, we kind of grew up in cultures where we were supposed to maybe do some more suppressing of our emotion, especially of hurt. You don't talk about that. This is a big step for you if this is where you're at. Number two, and this is really important, you begin the process of forgiveness by literally just saying, I forgive. I forgive so-and-so. Now, we've talked about how Jesus, the power of Jesus and his love through his death and resurrection are the key, at least according to the teachings of Jesus. So the mental focus that you and I need to have here as we begin to just say, okay, I forgive. Now realize, again, (laughs) forgiveness is a process. You know, many times we'll say this without necessarily feeling like we've forgiven or whatever. It's that's, that's okay. We, this is how we begin. We need to say things in order for things to become real, right? That, that's the beginning of the process. And so we need to say, I forgive nonetheless because, and this is the key, you, God, you, Jesus, took up his or her wrong, his or her punishment, as well as my punishment. And just saying those things out loud, if you've never done that before, it's, again, I want to encourage you to try it. Because if God is real, if he's like actually alive and present, and when we talk to him in this way, things actually happen, things change. And then last but not least, a very simple, again, process. There's this process of letting go. And receiving from God. And again, we've printed out some basic phrases you can use. I give you my desire to get revenge. I ask you to heal any emotions that have been damaged through this. I ask for direction and now how to talk with this person. I give myself to this. What do you give me in return? Now, you may think this is like a little simplistic. Does this really work? You don't understand, Yukon, the anger that's inside of me or the wrong that has been done to me. I get it. It may seem a little too simplistic. But I hope you can trust the teachings of Jesus. I hope you can trust the experiences many others have had in walking in this new pathway. That God can work through this, that God can work even in your biggest area of hurt and frustration and anger. I want you to take a moment. Um, I'm going to hit the pause button. I know this is kind of an intense conversation. i hit the pause button. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and talk very simply, very briefly. Hey, what, what do you agree with so far? about what we've discussed? And what do you find hard to believe? What do you disagree with? All right. Two minutes. Turn to your neighbor. What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? How's this striking you? Anybody want to share with the uh, the larger group here? Yeah, back there. All right. You guys are making me work today. I got to wear my Fitbit on Sundays and like count how many steps I get. This is something I need to do. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Okay, so... What if, like Jesus says, if they repent, he says it twice, if they repent, you're to forgive them, and I get that. Yeah. But what if they walk around thinking they did absolutely nothing wrong, but the whole world knows they did dirty, uh. but they think they, don't, they did nothing wrong. Like, Jesus didn't say that. He didn't address that. He just said, if they come back and like, yo, my bad. It's like, I could do that a hundred times a day, but what if they don't feel that way? That is the question, isn't it? Oh, my goodness, yes. That is a tough one, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, you have something to say about that? Okay. Okay.
3: It's actually the follow-up with what? I'm sorry, what's your name? Kevin. Kevin what Kevin said. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I didn't catch before, but I just caught it today when you were going through this again. It says, um, if your brother sins against you, rebuke them. So it's also the burdens on us to rebuke our brothers if we see them doing something wrong. Hmm. But I think it's like a, everybody together rebuking each other it helps us all together grow Better okay. and grow more like christ like okay, so I think that kind of answers your question where the person thinks he's not doing anything wrong, but once you rebuke them, maybe maybe they'll realize
1: it, but if
3: they don't, then I don't know but
1: um. yeah 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 no that's a great that's a good point let's give these two qu- questions in his hand. This is a good start i I think part of it is really good, thank you, Kevin, thank you, Andrew. I think part of it is um, so there are other teachings of Jesus that deal with this issue. So, uh, Matthew 18, you might want to write that down, uh, is another part where actually, Andrew, what you brought up about the rebuking process or the confrontation process, like how do, you, how do you actually do it? And what happens when they don't listen the first time? There's actually a whole procedure Jesus encourages us to do. And so, that's pretty interesting, actually, that Jesus kind of thought through this. Um, I think, too, though, the other scriptures we might look at in Jesus' teaching is the ones about loving your enemies. And praying for those who persecute you, blessing those who hate you. And so there is another, there, that's, again, thinking about the diamond picture. There are these different teachings of Jesus, too, about different situations. And so, man, when Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, bless those who hate you, it's like, dang. Well, then, then I have to, I, you know, this forgiveness process will apply even to those who are actively working against me right now. Which is tough, which is tough, and again, as we think about Jesus, we realize Jesus did that too. First Peter three is another scripture teaching you want to write down and read through when you go home. It has a lot to say about this too. But this is this is tough stuff. There aren't easy answers. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, so kind of related to that, we were we were just at the end of our discussion talking about. Um, this one line of the asking for direction of how to talk with so-and-so, and we were just kind of processing whether or not this whole process of acknowledging forgiveness and letting go and receiving actually even needs the other person to be involved and whether or not you can actually release yourself and, and forgive without actually even talking to the other person. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, that's a great point. That It's often said, and I, I believe in this quick little like mantra, that uh, forgiveness is a one-way street. Reconciliation is a two-way street. So we can always forgive. We might not always be reconciled because of that reality. So no, so that's really good. Yeah, good. Anybody else? Yeah.
3: Hi, my name's Christine. Um, So I've been dealing a lot with with anger in my past. Um, One thing that I've learned is that hurting people hurt people and are easily hurt by others. And when I think about it that way, I kind of put myself into their shoes, even when I'm in pain, even when I'm angry, and understanding w- what about it, where are they coming from, and, and why are they acting the way they are, and then understanding, to the truth that I really can't control how they uh, approach me or how they work with me, but I can control my own um, life, and. And what I do is feelings are inevitable, and anger is one of those. It's a feeling. Yeah. So I I work with it, and I pray, and, and I tell God, hey, this person so-and-so really annoys me or angers me. Um, I'm hurt by it. I don't know what to do with it. But I, I ask you release me from the pain, from the discomfort, so I don't go and turn around and hurt others. Because yeah. when you're hurt, you tend to hurt yeah, others. Um, and then that's the process that I go through for healing and
1: uh, forgiveness. That's good. That's good, Christine. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, give me a hand. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah. Anybody else? What are you processing? Agree, disagree? Anybody else? Yeah, back here. This will be our our last one here. Yeah.
2: I think that forgiveness is such a difficult thing just because... um, I think we're talking about, like, you know, acknowledging hurt and, like, you know, being ready to forgive and release all that anger. But sometimes I was like, with certain situations, it's not something that you can forgive in exactly, you know, like a day. Oh, yeah. There are things that take um, yeah. a lot of time. And I think for me, uh, like, I was reading through this and I was starting to put down names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I got down to the bottom part where it says, you know, like, go and talk with that person. I said, I'm not going to do that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like it's it's hard to forgive someone not just because of like what they did to you, mostly because it's like everything that occurred because of that hurt that happened, yes. how that affected the way you talked with people, how that affected you socially, mentally, emotionally, yeah. that it's like, it's not, you don't just, it's not just healing like your heart from that hurt that you went through. It's healing your mind and healing just the way that you changed yeah. because of a situation like yeah. that.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. For some of us who've gone through trauma, trauma, I mean, lit- our, our entire life has changed because of those moments, our right? entire lives. And the question is, is there hope? Can God actually bring us through? Is there transformation that can happen? Yeah, one more comment here. Yeah.
0: Um, at least in my case, I've found that the people who have the ability to make us angriest are often the people we love the most. And I think that's one of those things where, you know, it is so important to be able to learn to let go and truly let go, not just go, okay, I'm letting go for now. Because we tend to love those people for a reason. And if we can't let that go, that really sours that love. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, absolutely. That's that's real. That's very real. Thanks, Hazel. And, and sometimes with those people close to us, again, thinking about your comment, Kevin, up there, when when there may not be change... So if we can forgive, but what about reconciliation? I think this it brings up the issue of needing boundaries in some relationships where, where if uh, like an abusive relationship, obviously you can forgive, but you, you want to have the right boundaries um, to, to be healthy and to actually honor yourself and actually honor the person too. It's a way of helping them repent when you set up boundaries. So that's really important. So the question is, I think, can this transformation actually happen? I have a feeling that many of us in this room probably think, okay, yeah, it, it can. I, I, maybe I have seen it in people or experienced it in some places. Uh, but you, you, you still wonder for yourself. You wonder for this one relationship that's been brought to mind today. Can I really forgive? Can, can we really walk through this? Can I really, like, change in terms of my anger? Not just to this person, but in general, maybe you you feel like you're one of those people who just seems to snap at everything and you're like wondering why. I want to share two stories just to encourage you to hopefully believe that this methodology, that this life hack from Jesus is powerful. The first is just my own personal story, really quick. Uh, some of you know this, I don't think I've talked about this part of my growing up, but I grew up in a very angry family. Actually, both my wife, Yen, and I, we grew up in families that were really angry. And in fact, when we first met and talked about the possibility of getting married and having a family together, like, anger was like the first thing we needed to talk about because we were like, hey, we both come from really messed up families. Do you, think, do you think we can handle a marriage? Do you think we can actually have kids together? And we believe God had brought us to a place where we had been transformed and changed. I mean, I was in one of those families where I, I think I was in third grade. Uh, my mom got really upset at me, hit me, and all of stuff. my face was bleeding. I went to school. And, you know, all the kids were like, oh, what happened? You know, like, I was like, oh, I fell on the playground. You know, you have to make up things. I mean, that's just, that's just the kind of family that, that I grew up in. But God can change. I've seen him do it in me. I also think we need to look beyond us, of course, and and think through great people of faith who have walked through massive turmoil and yet forgiven. This month, as many of us know, is Black History Month. I think one of the benefits for our country as we commemorate Black History Month is to remember all of what our black brothers and sisters have gone through in this country and to think about the forgiveness that they have discovered and modeled. One of the people I personally know uh, who was a civil rights leader is John Perkins. And uh, his his biography, uh, if you can get the picture on the screen, is Let Justice Roll. I want to encourage you, as Black History Month wraps up, to, if you haven't already, just get in a biography about an African-American brother or sister who's gone through some things and learned forgiveness. John Perkins was one of those people. Uh, he ended up uh, really actually helping many presidents in the uh, 70s and 80s, like, get some things down right. His, his cases went to the Supreme Court and everything, but um, he went through what many, 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 many black men went through growing up in the South. Falsely imprisoned, falsely beat up, uh, life threats, you know, the, the whole thing. But what I appreciate about John Perkins is John Perkins and many civil rights leaders of that era wrestled with Jesus. And wrestled with Jesus, is this real? Is your forgiveness real? Does the cross actually make a difference? Maybe you've heard this from some of the old civil rights leaders as they've continued to encourage us today, especially in the Black Lives Matters movement. A lot of good things happening there, but Some of the the feedback I've heard from this previous generation is that, that encouragement to not forget about the cross, to not forget about Jesus and the cross, because at the core of forgiveness, there needs to be something substantial, something that actually makes sense, a God who handled injustice, wrongdoing, and yet loved. And so can I invite us today as we continue to process anger and forgiveness to open up, to let God take us through this journey that we're on. Can you join me in a word of prayer as we wrap things up? I like what, we, uh, what Jenny said earlier. You know, this, this isn't going to happen overnight, but it does need to happen. It does need to start somewhere. Could today, this moment, be a starting point for you? In forgiving somebody that has come to mind today? In dealing with this anger thing that pops up? Could this moment right now be a starting point of real change for you? If so, can I invite you just to a simple prayer? A prayer where you invite God to begin that process. And you can say it in the silence of your own heart and mind. Jesus, you know Yeah, today this was brought up. You know that already. I invite you to begin to deal with me. Can you imagine your life free of that anger? Free of that unforgiveness? Can you imagine your family, your workplace, can you imagine this city, this community, walking in forgiveness? God, we, we want those things. Would you make it happen in our hearts, in our minds, in our wider networks, in our neighborhoods, in our families? We give ourselves to that, to you. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen.
0: Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, visit us at ethnosnb.com.